Well, welcome once again to another edition of the Discover New Music podcast from Full Pelt Music. Shortly, we will be talking with Pet Needs. And of course, we featured one of their tracks on our Discover New Music playlist over on Spotify recently. So make sure you head to Spotify to check out their single, Punk Isn't Dead, it's just up for sale. But before then, just the usual reminders from myself. Now, if you would, please do follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And finally, if you would, please do hit that subscribe button, hit that like button wherever you are watching. Well, welcome Johnny from Pet Needs to the Discover New Music podcast. How are you this fine morning? I'm good, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'm a little bit tired. We've just done um, two shows in two days, yeah. which because uh, of uh, COVID and stuff like that, we're not kind of like used to touring. So <laughs> I'm a little bit tired, but I'm feeling good. You know, um, we played um, over at a place called Hotbox in Chelmsford on Tuesday. Yeah. And then we went and did a gig at um, Signature Brew in Haggerston yesterday. And um, both of them were brilliant. It was just carnage. It's just so amazing to get out with <laughs> again so yeah it's a lovely man but yeah um yeah a little bit tired but really good mate really good yeah but hopefully that adrenaline is still flowing and we're going to touch on you know the return to live music and the shows that you guys have been doing uh a bit later in the podcast um so we've added uh punk is not dead is just up for sale your your recent single to our discover new music playlist um and nice. we're going to talk about that in just a second but before then we start every podcast with the same question it's a, a portion we like to call the origin story so obviously oh. the discover new music podcast is for people to discover new music and new bands so obviously there hopefully will be people listening to this that aren't familiar with pet needs so yeah how did pet needs form where did you guys come from yeah sure so um pet needs was set up by me and my little brother george um, both in Derby originally and then I kind of like hopped around the country for a little bit kind of went to Nottingham then to Norwich and down to Suffolk and ended up landing in um, Essex which is where mm. I live with uh, my now wife Lorna um, and whilst I was doing all that kind of like hopping around the country my brother stayed in Derby and um, he was kind of like um, living quite small really he was working in an overnight garage and he had a uh, kind of a bit of a realisation that he was like a he didn't like quite know what he was doing with his life at the time. And we had a one moment where I was like, look, just kind of like quit your job, come sleep on my sofa in my flat. Um, we'll try and get you some work and we'll just see where it goes. And so he came down um, and he had a guitar and I had a guitar and we just started playing songs together. And it's a bit weird because before um, I was doing this band, I was kind of writing um, kind of introverted kind of folk music and music that I think I was enjoying writing, but, I would never really choose to listen to it. Right. And then one of my favorite bands is a band called Against Me, um, who I love so much. Um, and they've got a lyric in one of their songs saying, we can be the bands that we want to hear. And I remember hearing that lyric and then suddenly the penny dropped that I don't know why I'm writing introverted folk music. I just want to be writing kind of like balls from the wall punk songs. Um, and so, yeah, we just kind of, there's about six years ago now. It seems, it seems both two days ago and a lifetime ago. Um, and we just, yeah, just started writing together and then kind of built the band through either friends that we knew or we went through a few different lineups and landed in the final lineup about three years ago. Yeah, and um, you've had uh, an interesting last year or so with the release of your uh, debut album, which we'll uh, get to after just touching on the single we talked about. So Punk Is Not Dead is just up for sale. Um, it comes from the deluxe version of the album, um, came out recently, added to our playlist. What can you tell us about that song? 
Yeah, well, firstly, thank you so much for adding it to the playlist. That's exactly um, people like you and kind of like websites like yours, which helps get the music out to new people. So honestly, thank you so much for doing that. Um, it's actually a really, really old song that we wrote. It's one of the first songs we wrote when I was just talking about kind of like um, six years ago when we were sitting down on our sofa in the little flat that I used to live in. Um, and when we had the option to do a deluxe version of the album, um, what we wanted to do is go back to... So, well, we did a couple of songs were um, kind of like reworkings of stuff that were on the album. So we have like an acoustic version of a heavy song on the album and a heavy version of an acoustic song. Um, but then we had a couple of songs which were the songs that we wrote. We kind of coined the term the kind of month of madness when my brother came down because it just felt like we were on holiday together because we just hadn't seen each other for so long and it was like, like the beers were flowing and stuff. And we were just writing these kind of like... Um, ratty punk songs um because we didn't have any money at the time or any funding behind it or anything we never had the opportunity to record them properly um yeah. and so as soon as we were given the options kind of like record b-sides or record extra tunes and things we thought oh wouldn't it be amazing to go back and kind of give those songs the time that they deserved and the production they deserve um so we hopped in the studio with um get cape where cape fly um, who was amazing. His, uh, his studio is down in Southampton and it's beautiful. And he um, kind of absolutely met our vision that we wanted to be something that was kind of like raw and aggressive, wanted everything to be one or two takes and um, create something that was kind of a bit of a bop, but then also kind of wanted the production to be quite aggressive as well. And I think he hit it perfectly. Um, and it's a song that um, the kind of like lyrics came from when I was... Um, going into london for some reason so i live in colchester so we're kind of like about 40 50 minutes out of london um i'd go in and i was uh, kind of on the platform at the time where all the commuters were there and i was seeing so many people that were kind of they looked like punks but they're all dressed up as um normal people at the same time <laughs> you know, really kind of like shirt yeah. and tie stuff kind of like the neck tattoos and things and i um found that kind of like dichotomy between the two really really interesting um i used to work a similar job in i used to work for an autism charity i used to put on events um but i had to every single day i had to wear like school trousers and a button-up shirt to go to the job even though the job was really good um and it really kind of like um damaged my mental health really because i couldn't be the person i wanted to be even though i loved the job and i was doing good stuff um so it's kind of um, a bit storytelling but then also very autobiographical yeah. and then when I left the job and I went to work for a student's union um, putting on events doing a very very similar job you could wear whatever you wanted and suddenly my kind of mental health was so much better as I could suddenly be kind of my true self wherever I was yeah. which is um, so yeah it's all good and now I don't now I do music as a job as well so I can be even more my true self which yeah is you awesome. can wear whatever you want now yeah there's far too many <laughs> yeah, <that's> uh, <laughs> yeah far too many stigmas still out there in the workplace around you know how you're supposed to look when you're working in an office yeah especially around tattoos and everything you know it, it, the world needs to get with the uh, times doesn't it and move along um so yeah, no, that's great. It. Our, yeah. our, our um bass player um before we kind of like made the leap to do the music full-time he was um working on building sites and stuff and he would like he'd be one of the people who would go and check kind of the structural safety of the buildings and all that kind of thing and um he had to kind of ask permission to get hand tattoos first and stuff and even though he's kind of like working on a building site and he's like so people aren't dressed up smart or anything like that he still had to say to his boss can i get hand tattoos and it didn't make him any like worse of a building of course not. <laughs> uh, he was still as great as and he was really passionate about his job and great at it um but yeah, I think there still is a real stigma around it, which is so bizarre because yeah. like 
more people exactly. that start using Chrome now. Exactly, exactly. Um, very, very weird. Uh, and there was a cool video actually for the song as well, which you just touched upon. Obviously, listeners can check it out on YouTube. Where did the concept of that video come from? Um, so basically, it came from it actually, the uh, kind of like we wanted to do it as a bit of a joke, but then actually, shooting the video became a little bit more um, poignant when we did it as well, even though it doesn't come across as poignant <laughs> at all. And you never know because it like we were meant to do it kind of as a joke. Um, so, the concept behind the video, we wanted the song's called Punk is His Dead is just up for sale. And we wanted to kind of um, like build a kind of like fake TV studio and go on a, a shopping channel. We wanted to like sell loads of weird um, kind of like merch. So we kind of like run around our houses finding things like watering cans and skateboards and blenders and stuff and just sticking loads of um, pet news stickers on yeah. kind of uh, making them kind of like um, putting them out as um, merch. Um, but the video had a kind of like different level to it, which we weren't expecting in that in January and February, we'd all kind of left our jobs. And in January, February, we were meant to be doing a UK tour supporting Frank Turner. And we're talking kind of like Rock City and Brixton Academy and all these huge rooms. And it meant that we could, make, I mean, we'd, we'd live modestly, but it meant that we could make it our job yeah. there. So we'd all handed in our notice very kind of victoriously and stuff. Um, and then the day before we shot that video, we learned that due to COVID, the tour had fallen through. So suddenly we were all um, essentially out of work unless yeah. we were going to be creative, which luckily we were. We were able to kind of like um, do something different. Um, so we all walked into this uh, this video shoot with the kind of like irony of all of it weighing upon us, where suddenly it was like, okay, um, yeah, punk it, that is just up for sale. We really do need money now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's cool. I love it. And like, with music videos, we get a um, kind of quite a small budget to make music videos, but we just pull in favours from all our mates and yeah. things and just try and push it as far as possible to just have fun with it. You know, like I hate photo shoots because I think photo shoots, they're really... I get really self-conscious doing photo shoots if someone just kind of like says, can you just stand there and look cool or something like that? But yeah. with videos, you have the chance to kind of um, just take the mickey out of yourself a bit, but also just be really creative, really fun. So I see it as part of the art, um, but also the chance just to lean into, yeah, the more fun side of it as well. And it ended up being a really fun day, which is cool. Yeah, no, and it works really well. It comes across really well. So listeners, make sure you search that out on YouTube. Um, it is a good, fun video. Um, and yeah, to be honest, it was um, Robert Watts that did it as well. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to get his name. In. Like, um, yeah, Robert Watts Photography is on all social media. Um, yeah. And he does lots of music videos for bands in the Essex area, but he is honestly just one of the best people I've ever worked with. Really amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, this is obviously search him out as well. Because, um, yeah, say, really enjoyed the video. Hadn't seen the video, obviously, added the songs to the playlist a while back you know and enjoyed the song but we checked out the video in advance of recording this podcast and uh yeah very very enjoyable um and oh, again nice. very enjoyable very fun they're words that i'd probably actually attach to your debut album fractured party music um i, I mm -hmm. have to admit when i first listened to it we reviewed it for the website when it first came yeah. out um it it blew me away because it's obviously very very good but it's also it wasn't what i expected when i hit the play button um yeah, yeah i just remember really enjoying listening to it and you know, I wouldn't say I wasn't expecting to to like it, but I probably wasn't expecting to like it that much. You know, so it's a yeah a great album. Obviously, listeners should check out. Um, so you know, what what can you tell us uh, about the album? Obviously, you produce uh, had Frank Turner produce it. You know, what was it yeah, like yeah. working with Frank? And you know, what should listeners expect from the album? 
Yeah, so the album kind of came about um, almost by mistake. It's really weird. So it's kind of like, was it 2019 COVID, wasn't it? Or 2020? 2020, 2020, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's kind of January 2020, and we'd had a string of, I mean, January gigs are always hard, but we'd had a string of kind of like going and playing to, like traveling really far to place about six people on a Tuesday evening and stuff like that. But at the same time, as I said earlier, I was working for a student's union putting on um, events, um, and I was putting on kind of like big fireworks events and stuff that we'd have like 7,000 people come to, and then the next day I'd go and play gigs to six people, and I was like, I went for a walk with my brother and said, look, I'm getting so much out of work at the moment that if the band kind of, if we don't do anything kind of like amazing this year or if it doesn't build this year, um, even though it's like my heart's into it, I love it so much. I think I'm just going to throw myself into work so I've got a job that I really enjoy. I'm doing good at and stuff. Um, and then we started to get a few kind of like cool festivals drop into the summer and it started to look a bit more exciting. We were meant to go out to Berlin to play Lost Evenings with Frank Turner as well, which has been really cool. Um, and then suddenly COVID hit and everything stopped. But uh, because I used to work in events as well, it means I was furloughed from work, looked into the future and it was just kind of like a big, blank, expansive nothingness. We didn't know when it's going to come back. Um, and so I remember me and my brother were kind of like walking around this big reservoir in Colchester and we just chatted about how can we keep creative and we started thinking about well should we do another ep and then we thought look why we've got the time and we're never gonna have this time again in the same way let's just lean into doing an album um so we wrote we kind of took some songs that we already had and then we wrote some other ones kind of like really quickly really because we booked the time in about six weeks later um so we kind of like did a lot of writing and like kind of like put, pulled other things together um and then spent a week in the studio with a guy called Tom Donovan, who's a local producer. He's really brilliant. Um, and it was just an amazing experience. It was really interesting because our EPs that we've done before, I think because you only get to do like four or five songs, um, you just thrash out all your punk songs or all your really kind of like hits that everyone can sing and stuff like that. Um, with an album, it gave you the chance to like let the songs breathe a little bit more and take people on a little bit more of a journey um so we've got songs that are kind of like heavy and sing along and things a bit like our punctured dead stuff sell on the extended edition or we've got like um our singles on it and stuff but it also gave us the opportunity to um kind of experiment with being really quiet um and then also experiment with being like more kind of like screaming as well than we've been before um so it's kind of a mixture of everything i think um the name for actually party music came about about four years ago when i was sitting in um, as an interview in person before the kind of like world of zoom yeah and um, they were saying to me um how would you describe your music and i was like well it's kind of punk but it's not punk and it's kind of party music but it feels like like it could implode at any moment yeah. like you're just gripping on by your fingernails um i was like, so it's kind of party music it's kind of fractured at the same time it's like yeah yeah it's kind of fractured party music and then we released like another couple of EPs since then, but we always saved the name Fractured Party Music for um, the album. because I think it was just kind of a statement of intent and just kind of explains what we were, really. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting to hear you describe it, um, you know, the genre of music, because, I mean, everyone wants to stick a label on everything these days. But I think that's one of the things when I first reviewed the album that struck me is it was very hard to stick a single label on it. There's multiple labels yeah. on it. And there's a lot of songs on there that are real earworms you know that i mean toothpaste um 
Yeah, I've seen you guys live a couple of times, and that's always yeah. you know the song that you'll have stuck in your head when you're walking away. Um, there's a number of those songs on there, which yeah, for me almost feel like there's a you know a pop element or you know at least you know, yeah, oh, sure, man. Yeah, yeah, indie 100%. type element. Yeah, um, yeah. No, yeah, really interesting to hear you uh, describe you know how the, the term fractured party music come up, and uh, perhaps you've created a new genre. <laughs> yeah, oh um, yeah, yeah, but I, I think with like kind of like pop and indie and stuff like that, like. Um, because one of my favourite bands are, um, yeah, a band called Against Me, and it's all to do with the massive pop choruses. It's the same with um, Rancid from the 90s as well. But I've listened to um, a lot of Franz Ferdinand recently as yeah. well, which is a band that I was into when I was um, much younger. Um, and I really liked how they would write indie music and big guitar music, but then they put, like, dance beats underneath yeah. it as well. And that's kind of something that we did subconsciously. I didn't go, well, I want to sound like Franz Ferdinand. But when we were doing punk, we do this kind of like, um, like really quick kind of like beat in the chorus. And it's almost like a dancey beat, um, like over kind of punk music. Um, so I really like kind of pulling to different genres. Um, I don't think it's conscious at all, really. Um, I like when we write songs, I literally sit in the room upstairs um, and start with the first word of the first verse and then just run into the distance and see where it goes. Um, and then it's my brother who's really good at um, arranging. I kind of like show it to him and then that's when we start putting out the bits where I'm like, right, this is the hook, this is the chorus and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of builds from there. So it's a good partnership, but I um, massively, um, a massive unashamed fan of... Um, pop music as yeah. well i mean pop music in kind of like poppy guitar music and i say like yeah things like rancid or even things like the clash and they're like the, i think that sex pistol is one of the best pop bands in the world yeah. um or someone like buzz Pops as well like there's like having a chorus of people to sing along to i think is amazing and it's a great vehicle to get words across as well definitely definitely uh yes yeah, so, so obviously pet needs are on uh extra mile recordings um mm. how um you know supportive have they been throughout this whole process with you so honestly um amazing um so we had um frank turner who uh kind of uh, he, he came to see us at um a show that we played in camden a couple of years ago and then we kind of kept in contact and then he ended up mixing our album for us um and then he said he was going to send it to extra mile who's the label that he's on as well um to see if they wanted to put it out and we thought um it'd be amazing because it's an album uh, a label that we love um, but also thought that if it was going to go out on that label, it might just go out kind of a little bit as a favour to him and we might not be kind of a priority or anything like that, but it would still be cool to release um, an album with that logo on it. Yeah. Um, and then um, we had a call scheduled with um, Charlie, who's the head of the label, um, kind of, and I was kind of preparing for it like it was a job interview or something. I had my pitch ready for it and everything like that. And then we had the call and it was completely reversed. He just was pitching why we should go with Extra Mile. And um, since then, they've just been amazing. And they've not just taken us on. First, they were our record label. And then after seeing us a few times live, um, we got a, kind of like um, another phone call and it was him pitching to, for him to become our manager. And so now he manages us and he manages Frank and he manages a band called Skinny Lister as well. Yeah. And I think that's where um, everything changed because then they just weren't just the label that were putting out music for us. Then they were invested in us as because um, they were managing us. And they've set us up with kind of American tour agents and European tour agents and all that. And then that's when we suddenly started being a band that were on the label to a band that are now just um, like we're doing an American tour 
Um, we're doing a European tour. We're going up to Europe, I think, three or four times in yeah. the next year. Um, and then we're doing some amazing rooms in the UK, and it's like mind blowing, and it's completely down to their support. They're at our show last night, and they are the lovely. There's three of them. There's um, Anthony, and there's Danny, and there's Charlie, who's the head of the label, and they're just the most hardworking, passionate people. And they also um, let us record an album, another album, kind of like pretty much straight after the first one was out. Like I, I said to them, right, I want to do another album, I want to record it in November, and they were like, well, yeah, but you've you just released one in March. I was like, yeah, I know, but it needs to be done. And um, they gave us a bit more of a budget than we had before. So we've been able to get different instrumentation on and um, they got it mastered at um, Abbey Road Studios as wow. well by a guy that's done everyone from like um, Oasis to ABBA to Mogwai and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so they've just been amazing as a label and as managers as well. And it's just, it's, it's changed our lives. And it's like, honestly, Paul, it's been so weird because yeah. like pre-lockdown um, and we were loving what we were doing pre-lockdown, we were mainly kind of like playing to our mates and stuff. And like our hometown shows were really good because it'd be all of our mates. And then we'd watch all of our mates' bands. Going out of town was a real struggle, a bit like yeah. I was saying before, because no one knew we were. And it was really weird doing that and then, coming out of lockdown and walking onto like stage at Manchester Apollo where it's five and a half thousand yeah. people and you just walk out and you're like oh my god because <laughs> it's like we didn't work up to it it's not like we kind of like played a like hundred person room yeah. then a thousand person room then a, suddenly we were kind of just thrust onto these big stages and I think we held our own which was good but it was yeah, really, because that yeah. still remains bizarre now. But um, yeah, so much fun. And the label were just best label in the world and best managers in the world. Yeah, certainly. And they've got a fantastic roster of artists that they uh, look oh, after. Yeah. You know, great, great record label. Um, how important to you is it? We've talked about uh, punk is in the genre, but these days it's, it's morphed into more of a social outlook, really, punk, you know, mm. so it's more of a DIY like ethos. Um, obviously, you guys through lockdown did things like obviously you uh did some live streams which obviously was a bit different mm. to you know what uh people are used to and obviously you've just done as you said when the frank turner tour was cancelled headed out on a kind of for lack of a better word house party tour um yeah so how important is it is it to you to kind of maintain that diy ethos as you progress further yeah i think um I think for us, DIY is absolutely where it's building. Like we've and a lot of the stuff because um, we've got like a few thousand like fans on Facebook and stuff like that. But the energy um, around this band at the moment is in a Facebook group called Fractured Party People. And there's only a few hundred people in there, and the thing that we've done is we've never invited people to the group, so people have to kind of like discover it themselves. Um, and so it's kind of building organically and like with we did a talk with the borrow toothpaste tour when we lost the um kind of tour where we were playing the big rooms we had kind of like two weeks from when i kind of like broached it as an idea till um we were playing the first show and we did 14 dates um and these were all just people we never put it out publicly when we're advertising it this was just from this small kind of group of people that are so passionate and that are kind of taking it on their responsibility and on their shoulders to grow this band and build this band organically, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, that's all just felt so DIY. And so like we were, like my, it was just me and my brother, we we're playing piece of guitars. My brother was getting in there, setting up the PA system himself and stuff like that. Um, we had a bass drum kind of uh, pedal that my brother had kind of like, 
he kind of made this Frankenstein thing from an electric drum kit, but then with loads of tape and he put like a tea towel underneath it. I don't know how he made it, but he just kind of made it. And it was super DIY. But then what was really cool is that um, we played a show over in Wales and we had a band called um, Oxbow Lake open for us. And they weren't going to open for us. It was just that they asked us to play their house. And I knew that um, they played in a band together. And I said, I kind of like broached the idea going, um, would you like to open for us? It'd be great to have someone on first. And they kind of looked at each other and they were like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah, would it be weird? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then they ended up playing like half the tour with us because they were so brilliant. And then now we've got, had them over to um, Essex and they've just recorded with George and George's home studio. And it's kind of, so yeah, I think DIY ethos is so important around this band. And I think also just like, letting down all the barriers and having kind of like no arrogance or anything like that. And also letting people know um, when you're feeling vulnerable or when you're feeling introverted, things like that. I don't think, um, I think kind of the age of the rock star is dead and it's just music's just about connection. especially I think real like lyrical music. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't think too much about, oh, we should do something that's really punk, but I, always think about potential and like it's like with music videos if we get kind of like 250 quid to record a music video we could kind of like stand in a really nicely lit room and kind of just play our instruments or we could just be really creative with it and just have fun with it and yeah. i think you have so many more adventures when you go let's look at the potential of this how can we push this to the empty degree and um, just do something really cool and we do exactly the same with our merch and exactly the same with our touring and our videos and our output um and just spending time with the people that we um like it we played a show yesterday um and it was to a pack room in uh Haggerston, london and i like at least half the people there i knew their names um yeah. and if not i kind of like knew their faces and i didn't know them six months ago and it's just built and it's just built for people and we had people traveling from the south coast we had people traveling from sheffield and like over from near wales and stuff just to be in that room and i think it's just because we're building something that's DIY, you know, and yeah. it's, it should always be like that. Um, and we always sell our own merch as well. Like we're always on the merch, they send our own merch and taking photos and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, hundred percent. So it's a really long answer. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's definitely, yeah. DIY is important embracing potential, um, not being a rock star at all and letting people know when you're feeling vulnerable as well. Just being, I think honesty, just being honest and authentic is the most important thing. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And obviously it builds a, a different level of engagement from, from your followers as well. Obviously, as you said, they're more more involved, which is, is great, obviously. And it's great to have the support of Extra Mile, as we said. And you've been able to play some pretty big shows over the last year or so. So, I mean, two-pronged question, you know. First, how does it feel to get out of play shows after the pandemic? Um, but also, you know, um, what have you learned from playing those shows of artists such as Frank and Skinny Lister? So I've... Um... Kind of learn what a professional show is like really because we've not really done them before we've done festivals and stuff but we kind of um everything was just kind of a bit of a party before and what's really interesting is um like if you're playing somewhere like rock city or something everything's so um regimented or especially if we've done little we've only done little tours with frank at the moment but you get this kind of like one sheet of paper which goes right sam checks this time this is this time this is where your dressing room is this is where you park um, this is what time lunch is, da, 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 da. and everything's so regimented. Um, he's got a tour manager called Tree, who's um, incredible, and then um, has a stage manager called Dougie, and everything is just so to an agenda. 
Um, and at the start, it was like, oh, wow, this is kind of overwhelming. Like, everyone's like, they're professionals, properly doing jobs. Whereas before, like, we'd go play local pubs and it'd be like, um, and which I love doing still, which our last two shows were like that. And it's just like, you're right, lads, how you doing? Want a beer? Come in. Are you just set up? We haven't got stage times, so but still when you want. And I used to love the kind of chaos of that. But then when you upscale, um, everything's it just has to be it just has to be so so regimented because you're dealing with um like frank employs something like 12 people or something just to do his shows and that's without employing his band as well um and it's amazing and what i've learned is because i've been able to kind of like spend time backstage but kind of like spend time out front as well just the passion that his crew have got like um his lights person like she's like incredible she it feels like when you're if you're standing with her watching her do it it's like she's playing her own gig and she's yeah. there she's waiting yeah. for the drop of the song and then she'll press and it's like watching a dj it's, it's so amazing the passion that they have for live music um and then with frank i've just learned um because i'm it, like uh, like we're tour buddies but also like we live near each other and we're like really good friends as well um so i just learned kind of how to front something on a bigger scale and how to have conversations because before um when i play small shows i do quite quite a lot of talking it's very very kind of conversational whereas frank in a big room he'll go out and he play four or five songs before even speaking yeah. and it's like really interesting and then we went out um with the hives as well yeah. and, um like learned so much then as well especially about fronting the bands i mean Dave oh, the Pitch, showmanship yeah from yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. And he pushes showmanship to the nth degree. I mean, he pushed it so far. We did Rock City with him the first night and um, we kind of played our show and we went down all right and then they played their show and I was like, oh, I understand what I need to do now. <laughs> and then went on in Portsmouth and kind of, we just went out, we just saw our arms in the air. Kind of like, come on. And it was like the second show, just by watching their show the first night, was so much better. And it's like, yeah, again, with Skinny Lister, I just kind of like learned like they just make things feel like so inclusive and i think how they make things feel inclusive just how much they love each other when they're on stage and obviously they're kind of like families and partners yeah. and things um and i love with them how they've included like their new song they've got their little baby daughter in the video yeah. and stuff which is amazing and i am so excited to go out to um go out to germany with them I think spending if you're gonna gig anywhere with skinny list i think germany's a place it's gonna yeah. be incredible um but what I've learned as well, well, so far, is everyone that's kind of like operating on this level, um, and I'm sure you'll get kind of arrogant people and like your rock stars and stuff, but everyone's just been so nice and so accommodating and so friendly. They're very professional, and you've obviously got your boundaries, especially around COVID. It was like, right, we've got a section off these areas and all this kind of stuff. Um, everyone's been so friendly and accommodating, so supportive, which is uh, like, which is amazing. And it's kind of like making us do the same to other acts that's as well. Cool. Yeah, no, that is that. Uh really interested you know to to you know get that view of uh what a young come band are looking for um and yeah we'll touch uh, i guess a bit more on that in a second because we have a portion that we're going to end with in a moment called setless science but but one more question before then um is just to make sure that people know what you guys have got coming up so obviously they need to follow you on social media and you are on uh twitter instagram and facebook all that we are pet needs that's um, one, that's and of course you've got your own uh website which um I guess is petneys.com or something. Uh, petneesband.com, yeah. Petneesband.com. So obviously the tour dates I see are all on there and you've got lots coming up with with Frank, with Skinny Lister, um, headline shows, 
Um, I believe you're doing some Nick Alexander Memorial Trust shows over the next week or so. You've probably got some yeah, festivals yeah. in there. So obviously listeners need to check that out. What are you particularly excited about and what? why should um, people come out and see you? Yeah, cool. I think um, with the Nick Alexander um, on the road shows, um, I think they're going to be really amazing. I, like um, we did the first one the other, yeah, on Tuesday and it was just brilliant. I think that was um, especially incredible because Frank was our secret support act for it as well, yeah. um, which was really cool because he's just got his number one um, and then it was his first gig after his number one and um, like we were headlining it and he was the main support and people, well, people kind of knew he was going to play it, but didn't know he was going to play it. And it was terrifying to follow him because, like, he obviously ripped the roof off the place and then we kind of, like, walked on thinking everyone was going to leave. Uh, but it was great. But those shows are going to be really cool. That When we talk about kind of, like, um, DIY kind of ethos, there's a lady called Zoe that runs a charity. Um, it's kind of, like, in memorial for um, her brother that died in the yeah. Bataclan attacks. He was a, a merch guy. I'm from Colchester, um, same as us. Um and she's just kind of reached out through her networks, kind of like behind the scenes and stuff to just build something that's really DIY. And I feel like it's going to have that real kind of like communal family vibe with the first show's anything to go by. Um, and we're touring with um, our label mates called Berries, who are yeah, fantastic. Coming out soon, um, and also touring with a band called when we say like keeping in the family, keeping DIY, a band called Ghosts and Men, um, who like five years ago were the first band we ever opened for, and who are great and hilarious, kind of like hard rock two piece. Um, that's going to be really cool. And then we've got a little run of headline shows as well. Um, but I think the thing that I'm looking forward to the most, I think, because it's um, we're not, never going to be able to do this um, again, I don't think, is that um, on the 13th of March at Earth in Hackney, um, we're doing a gig. It's like an extra mile recording kind of collab um, with an 100-piece orchestra, yeah. um, which I can't... We're, we're doing two songs, and then um, I think everyone just does a couple of songs. There's loads of acts on. Um, and I met the person that's writing all the scores and kind of like conducting it all and stuff um, at the Clapping Grand the other day when we played a show there. Um, and he seems so excited about it. But I just can't even conceptualise it at the moment. That's like, it's a bit like before we started playing big rooms and I was like, I know I'm going to do it, but I can't, in my brain, I can't yeah. see how it's going to work. Um, so we get to rehearse in the afternoon with this massive orchestra and then play it in the evening. Um, so that's definitely the show that I'm most kind of intrigued about and excited about. But I'm also uh, really excited to play loads of punk shows all around the UK soon, which is going to be great, man. Yeah, no, that, that one in uh, Earth and London does sound absolutely incredible and some other great acts on there as well. So obviously listeners should uh, search that one out and uh, grab a ticket to pop along to that one. Um, so going back then, as you said, something else that perhaps you might have picked up on, on a from, uh, from the artist you've been touring with. Uh, our last section is called Set List Science. And basically the question to you is, um, you know, how much importance do you put into the structure of a set list and have you got any rules that you tend to follow? Yeah, sure. Um, so it completely depends on the gig. So I think it completely depends on if uh, people know you or not and if you're doing a kind of like support set list or a headline set list. So I think on um, a headline show, it's kind of uh, like you have to presume um, that kind of like a lot of people know who you're going to uh, like, like who you are and stuff like that. Um, and so it gives you more chance to be a little bit creative. And like we've, 
we did a headline show yesterday and we started with a like heavy version of a song called as a spin cycle span which is on the extended version of the album so it's kind of um a bit niche if um mm. kind of you've only just heard the kind of like main album or something but so it's a bit of a deep cut but if you're in a room with people that know you well then it's people like, oh yeah I know the band. and like oh excuse me <coughs> and then they can just jump straight into it but then it depends we've also started with uh we started with a song called Outline, a headline set, where it's all just kind of like about swelling and like kind of things building and building and then just crashing straight into it. Um, and then it's kind of, yeah, just about uh, taking people on a journey and not being afraid to be quiet at times as well. So you kind of, but if you're being quiet, don't do it too late in the set. We do kind of like maybe about a third in or maybe kind of like halfway in, we drop down to something like our song Embers and then we'd kind of, that kind of gives it the kind of like context because then when you hit with a party song straight afterwards then it's usually the song after the quiet song where mm-hmm. things just explode and then just party music right to the end um if we're doing a support set we will start with a single so we start we often start with two faces so the one that you were kind yeah. of said which clear one because you need to you're very much kind of invited to someone else's party when you're doing a support set um, and you, so you want to be the person that kind of like kicks down the door. It's like, Ta-da! like that, like straight away. So people go, oh, cool. Right. These are called my attention straight away. You can't rely on anybody knowing who you are. Um, and, um, someone gave me advice. I can't remember who it was, but they said like, at a support set, start with your best song and end on your second best song so that you just kind of like grab people straight away. And when yeah. we do a support set, we kind of, cause it's only half an hour, which is kind of about seven songs. We just usually just look at all of our singles and go right what's the best way to do all the poppy songs all the dancey songs and just go on and you kind of want it to feel like people have almost just been kind of like smacked in the face by music and they're like what was that like that and then they're suddenly off and then hopefully they kind of buy the album and stuff and then they can listen to stuff that's got a little bit more nuance as well yeah definitely and then come along to them headline shows when they actually know uh what they listen to no yeah, really insightful yeah really insightful thank you for that uh always interests me uh to to talk to the artists about the uh the set list uh curation is uh oh, is nice. quite interesting um but yeah no thank you so much for giving me your time uh for coming on the podcast um listeners obviously as we've said you know get onto the band social media we are pet needs see where they're playing head along to a show obviously Get online check out the album buy the album preferably um uh, it is a fantastic album um yeah we look forward to catching you on the road um johnny what would be your final message for the listeners today um i think the final message would be um go and listen to oxbow lake who are the bands that um have toured with us um kind of around the uh, borrow toothpaste tour they're um really cool but they've also got some um new music coming out that george my brother has just recorded um so yeah keep an eye on their social media and things like that and um when that new ep drops i think it's going to blow people away it's really cool yeah definitely and i'll tell you what that is punk finishing by plugging someone else's band is excellent (laughs) i love it um no so yeah thank you johnny and uh listeners check him out well thank you so much for listening i really hope you enjoyed that chat there with pet needs do make sure that you follow the band on social media check out their debut album fractured party music Listen to their single, Punk Isn't Dead, It's Just Up For Sale, on our Discover New Music playlist over on Spotify. And, of course, try and pop along to one of their shows. 
Uh, finally, for me, again, if you would, please do follow us on social media. We are on Facebook at Full Pelt and on Twitter and Instagram at Full Pelt Music. And again, if you would, please hit that subscribe button, hit that like button wherever you're watching or listening to the podcast. And we will be back very soon for another edition of the Discover New Music 